Welcome to Cinemaholics. I'm your usual host, John Agroni. And look, Will Ashen, he'll be back. I know you miss him, but he's going to be back on the show tomorrow. We're going to be reviewing a bunch of other stuff like Monster, Pink Skies Ahead, Get Hyped. But he did not see this movie we're about to discuss, which is very funny to me because it's a running tradition. Second year in a row, a Guy Ritchie movie has come out and one of us hasn't seen it. I was on the show last year to talk about The Gentleman. And that's that's what's happening this year with Wrath of Man. But anyway, I have a special guest here. He's making his Cinemaholics debut, not a minute too soon. He's a freelance writer and editor for Hire. You can find his bylines all over the web, rogerebert.com, Inverse, Pace Magazine, whole lot more. Welcome to the show, Isaac Feldberg. Thanks for having me, John. Happy to be here. Isaac, it's been too long. We've been, you know, colleagues for a long, long time. Back yeah. as early as when Cinemaholics was around. And uh, I'm sorry, we've, we've never sent you the invite before. It's not personal. Oh, it's okay. I, you know, cry into my pillow. But now, you know, my, my sad days are at an end. I can sure. I can finally check this off. Um, so I'm I'm thrilled to, yeah, to be on Cinemaholics and definitely to be getting to chop it up with you finally. It has been probably back to like 2014. 14, 15 that we've, that we've been encountering each other. Was it 15 that long ago? I was going to say like 16, 17, but you know, time is a construct. It really is. Everything, um, I'm giving it like a year and a half cushion in my estimates after <laughs> a this last one. Yes, exactly. All I ask is that you do not hijack our show <laughs> out of revenge for, yeah, I guess that's as good a segue as any to get into <laughs> Definitely, definitely turned out this is the big movie of the week, and it's surprising some people because a lot of people were not looking forward to this one based on the trailer. It was like, oh, okay, this is, we're getting, the, what, the third consecutive Guy Ritchie movie. We got Aladdin in 2019, and then we got Gentleman, and now this. We're talking about Wrath yeah. of Man. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new edition, H. Portico Security specialized in cash trucks across LA. Do you have any idea how dangerous this job can be? Some out there, yeah. We ain't the predators, we're the prey. You ready? Ready. This is your temporary sidearm. What happens if we're putting pistols in a machine gun fight? Do you have a problem? I don't know. Do I? a 10 grand drop. You should have been back five minutes ago. They're serious. Leave this to me. Get in the truck next time. Sorry, pal. Wrath of Man is a new action thriller. It is directed by Guy Ritchie, but also co-written by him and Ivan Atkinson and Martin Davies. This is actually Richie's fourth time collaborating with Jason Statham, but it's been a long time since he and Jason Statham have done a film together. Revolver was the last film back in 2005. I think that's when Isaac was last was when uh, we first met. (laughs) Yes, it it was. It was actually the Revolver premiere, as I remember it. You know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just crazy kids back then, (laughs) but. yeah, this film, it is a remake, actually, of a French film called Cash Truck by Nicolas Boucrief. I, I hadn't looked into that film before seeing this one. Sort of was a remake, and it's, it's actually pretty pretty close uh, in terms of, like, the plot. They, they added some of their own touches to it, but 
you know, same, same general premise. And that premise is that we are in, I said in my review, this is like the Los Angeles from Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. where cash trucks get hijacked basically every day, you know, oh, yeah. sometimes All twice a day. That's, and nobody, nobody cares. It's like, yeah, that's just how it is. But uh, yeah, cash trucks, if you don't know, they're these armored trucks that carry a ton of money from businesses that still use cash, which certainly made sense for the cash truck French film back in 2004. But uh, I did get a little chuckle that I was like, man, there's that much money still circulating considering, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. how digital the world is. But I think I think this is a bit of a heightened movie. So I, I give it a little bit of slack on that part of its premise. That said, like, these hijackings, they're happening so often, they're getting more and more violent. A few people die in this one incident that starts off the movie. And one of the first things you'll notice is that this movie has chapters, you know, kind of like Tarantino chapters. First one is called a dark spirit. And we see Jason Statham as this guy named H who begins to work for a cash truck security company. And everyone's like, ah, he only passed with uh, average grades. This guy, who cares? He's going to, he's going to get scared. He's going to drive, you know, He's going to drive a truck and something bad's going to happen and we can't mm-hmm. rely on him. All I'll say as we get into this movie is uh, maybe there's more to this guy than meets the eye. And uh, this is a a dark film, kind of grimy, very Guy Ritchie kind of thing in that sense. And it's about a clean two hours, like right at two hours long. So yes. kind of in the middle there for for crime epics. Isaac Feldberg, what did, what did you think of Wrath of Man? Is it about to get your wrath? <laughs> It's, it's, you know, it's not going to get my wrath. It's certainly not, uh, a le- it's not, it's not a lesser Guy Ritchie project. I mean, if you think about Guy Ritchie, he's just, uh, he carved out such a name for himself with this very, uh, kinetic, funny in places, dynamic crime caper comedy, usually filled with Cockney accents. So it's a bit of a shock to see him really, uh, drilling down into this very macho, uh, very like, you know, you could cut it with a knife testosterone kind of atmosphere for Wrath of Man without a lot of those more tongue in cheek trappings. This is about as thundering and heavy duty. It's like a tank of a Guy Ritchie movie, but at least it's not the Aladdin remake, right? We've seen that Guy Ritchie can do paycheck gigs and he will do that occasionally uh, and sometimes, you know, not to his benefit. But in, in this, you know, re-teaming with Statham, I had a lot of reason to be optimistic going in. And I was surprised in some pleasant ways, in some ways that, you know, a little bit less to my tastes with Wrath of Man. Just, you know, seeing, you know, the film that you laid out quite accurately, it is, you know, this two-hour L.A. noir base. So you wouldn't even really know it's L.A. It's not that distinctive a sense of place. It's really more about this atmosphere of ticking time bomb tension and these almost like mythically larger than life men who are just, you know, muscle bound and absolutely lethal and locked in this combat over money and really nothing else. It it is one of those films. It actually reminded me, I don't know if you've seen this one of uh, Den of Thieves a few years ago, Christian Gudegast's one with Gerard Butler. Mentioned it in my review is like, uh, yeah, this is kind of, this is one of the more satisfying heist films for me since then, probably. Yeah. And it at has, least of this specific flavor. It definitely has that sense of, um, uh, speaking of Den of Thieves, it is this bit of a tapestry between 
robbers and uh, police and these like men who are on different sides of the law, but really all of them are in the same moral opacity and the same kind of luxuriant uh, kind of miasma of dread like throughout the movie. And it, it really feels pretty dark in how it unravels. You don't have a sense that anyone's going to make it out alive and you really don't wonder if any of them should make it out alive. But, you know, where I do see a little bit more kind of tongue-in-cheek or at least ironic detachment from Richie is in things like you were mentioning with the uh, titles. I think the first one is A Dark Spirit, and it kind of goes from there in the film where it's sectioning out its story and kind of jumping between timelines. Uh, That actually, you know, even beyond Tarantino, reminded me of... Uh, this film, In Order of Disappearance, that was Hans Petter Molland a few years ago that was recently remade as a Liam Neeson action movie called Cold Pursuit. Um, and that film has, you know, a similar kind of brutality to it. It's a Norwegian action thriller. So it has a bit kind of of this absurdist dark comedy streak in it, along with the brutal violence and the focus on vengeance. Similarly in this, I felt like you know, the po-faced, crusading masculinity of Wrath of Man uh, is almost, it's heightened to the degree it's almost funny. You know, you you truly believe that Jason Statham, whose character is only known as H, uh, is potentially this immortal figure. He he just, um, you know, I've never seen Statham look quite this menacing in a way where it's like, you know, you look in his eyes and you expect to see this kind of roguish smile and this uh, more of a a kind of a comic energy to him. I mean, Statham's great even in kind of the tradition of Asian martial arts stars like Jackie Chan and Jet Li because he can sometimes bring this surprising humor into his physicality and action sequences. But here he's just like uh, completely concentrated down to this like pure crackling anger um befitting the title but you know to see him in that you're kind of like oh god we need to take this movie seriously and as it goes you just realize it's like this is like a it's almost like a mark millar comic it's like it's incredibly heightened in its violence but it feels like it's kind of about that heightening as well yeah there's a a lot to get into with this movie. And I think that you touched on a lot of things I want to kind of unpack there. Uh, first of all, I'll say, I really thought this movie was surprisingly satisfying, uh, a bit more satisfying than I thought it would be because the first the first part of this movie really does play out almost like a parody or a satire of the kind of macho action movie you were referencing there. And I was really wondering to myself, I was like, I know Guy Ritchie is good at this. So why why does this feel like everything was shot in one take? Why does it feel like these characters are delivering dialogue in such a wooden, placid fashion? These are all good actors. I, I really enjoy Holt McElhaney and, and Mindhunter. He's, he's been in a couple other things recently, and he has a really good presence in this. So I'm like, what, what's the deal here? What's Why does this feel so off? And you know whether or not people will agree with this choice, I do think it is a choice. I, I think these disparate chapters almost feel like a series of short films that are kind of interweaving together. They, they kind of just go off and detours at one point. You kind of said like shifting timelines, right? And that's absolutely, I think, what Richie's kind of going for. He's trying to make his own heat kind of thing. He's calling back to these like 
really like dark and nasty action crime thrillers that we, we, we still get, but I think a lot of the ones we get lately are also pretty representative of Statham's recent career. They're more subversive these days. This one's a bit more what you see, what you get. I mean, I think with Statham, just looking at like the Fast and Furious movies and Spy and things like that, these, these are movies that really know who they're working with with Statham. They, they know what people expect to see in this guy they expect crank they expect lock sock two smoking barrels they 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 kind of do have that like ironic kind of dry violent humor that he kind of offers uh, even in something as pretty straight to the gun as uh, transporter right and in this movie it, it is kind of like twisting that a little bit and i think for me it really works <laughs> I, I think this i i I was uh, watching this movie and I was messaging uh, Will during it because I, I genuinely was like nervous about it. I was like, I feel like I'm going to hate this. It's going to be two hours long. And I was telling him, I was like, I think I love this movie. I think I'm in love with it. So, you know, there's my confession. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad that you could get that off your chest, John. I, I think that's powerful. Appreciate uh, it. Powerful admission. I, I mean, I, I completely hear you with what you're saying. And, you know, to pick up on, on one comparison you're making there, I totally was thinking about Heat watching this. I mean, it's hard not to with anything in the this kind of crime noir epic uh, structure that this film has in a lot of places, especially as it broadens its scope as it goes to become less focused on Statham uh, singly and more on this network of, of people around him who are all scrapping and all trying to get their pound of flesh uh, in one way or another. Um, and, you know, and, and I kind of was thinking about in the tradition of Heat, what a lot of these crime epics are really focusing in on. And this one does feel like it's kind of like a meathead Michael Mann, but with a meaner sense of humor. And that, that's something that is not uh, meant in any way as a criticism, but it, it is a film that just feels very kind of muscular and very brooding and very intimidating in a way that Richie is usually a bit fleeter footed around capturing. And to me, it really feels like he wanted to take this one part of his DNA as a director, this um, ability to kind of present this masculinity. Um, and he wanted to kind of, instead of undercutting it with humor, just blow it out to the furthest proportion that he could get to see what he could make. And I, I feel like the setting of this movie uh, being in this L.A. underworld suggests to me as well that he might be taking a little bit from like Nick Reffin's drive, like, you know, that kind of uh, legendary uh, figure of masculinity and all of the kind of sim storybook symbolism in it. Uh, similarly, I would have to go back with Wrath of Man, but there are certainly elements of the characterizations where I'm like, um, even like, you know, his name is H. Like, what is that representative of in the film? You know, you've got this bullet uh, supporting character played by Holt McCallany from a mind hunter who is kind of both his confidant and maybe kind of too close to him, potentially treacherous. There's this uh, kind of you can't trust anyone element to the movie, but all of the characters in it strike me as like these really interesting chess pieces that um, have their own reasons why they could emerge as being like the victor in Wrath of Man's kind of tug of war of violence. But they could also just be pieces that get knocked off the board really suddenly. Um, and I enjoyed that uncertainty of the film. 
this is definitely one of those films where there is an economy to how many side characters, supporting characters there are, which kind of helps keep the tension alive because you do have a lot of reasonable guesses to make over like, okay, who is going to betray who, who here is going to kind of turn this movie on its head for whatever reason. There's also a portion of this film that I found, I found it really interesting when it side swipes into this other story about these combat veterans who are trying, they're the, the criminals in this situation who are trying to make some money. They're trying to kind of break into this world kind of by force. And they're led by Jeffrey Donovan's character here, who is just wonderfully deadpan menacing in this. And there's a really solid dynamic between him and a much gnarlier Scott Eastwood performance than I think I'm kind of useful to seeing i think one of the last things i saw him in was probably like suicide squad or something definitely and yeah i i think this kind of solidifies for me bring on the scott eastwood scumbag characters because he really does a great job with that sort of performance like he really leans into it when he's not playing the protagonist i i, I don't hate to say because i think he's, he's generally very talented in that respect and i i was surprised to see him in this i, did, I didn't know he was in the film and then i saw him because i was thinking of Clint Eastwood, his father, a lot of the earlier parts of this, because, man, is that a similar sort of like, let's make just a very efficient, dark drama. We don't have to do a ton of takes. We don't have to be perfectionists here. We just sort of need to get this through and we'll find it in editing. That's kind of what we're used to from Eastwood. So kind of seeing his son, I was like, oh, you know, a little bit of symmetry there, particularly in how I think Richie is clearly has a vision of America and of LA that I appreciate in the sense that he's not just trying to transplant his European, his UK experiences onto us. He clearly has a sense to what you're saying that like we have our own sort of monoculture. We have our own sort of language for how we process violence and crime. And it's not the same thing as you'll see in something like the man from uncle or the, the gentleman or revolver any of these british films and i appreciate that to an extent I, I think that he's he's trying to you know play in our sandbox a bit and i i feel like i should dislike it for that reason because it feels a little bit like he he thinks that we like talk like we're in corporate training videos or something yeah i i, I definitely think that he's playing with that American model of masculinity in the film, I, even to the degree of casting Statham as the, the one who has them all beat, who is truly, mm -hmm. you know, the master guy. He is the Eastwood archetype, you know, the man with no name or his name is age. And that's all he's known as. He also, I felt like there is a lot of Charles Bronson in this role. There's a lot of this very kind of old, um, invulnerable, uh, anti-hero energy to to this character he's he felt um unbeatable but then you know you've also got scott eastwood um literally you know blood relation to clint um playing this character who is another kind of macho all-star he's like the damaged uh potentially twisted veteran uh and someone who has really benefited from being allowed to just kind of do what he wants with a gun uh, in this country. And then you've also got the, the McCallany character bullet, who is this career cop who is probably crooked. We don't really know, but he has this, um, kind of this muscularity and this, um, 
also like a bleak humor to him where he's the guy who like enjoys his job a little bit too much um but couldn't be a cop maybe because he's a little bit too um hard-edged and also i mean his name is bullet so it's like yeah yeah, i mean (laughs) it, it definitely you know it's a it's a movie that sets up these characters to be absolute terrors and then i i also appreciated kind of the cold um brutality of the gun violence in this movie this is a movie where a character will walk through a room full of characters who we somewhat like uh, or at least have maybe gotten to know a little bit and just pump lead everywhere and it's just the scene is over relatively quickly for it like this is not a sentimental film in any respect and even in the tradition of guy ritchie working with statham in the past they came up together on these cockney crime capers like Snatch and Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Lockstock was actually Statham's first film ever. But it, it feels a lot closer to Revolver, to their previous collaboration, which rather than being that kind of stocky crime caper, uh, was a deconstruction of it and was looking at kind of more spiritual or mythic import that is behind this story of a character like Statham who is wandering through a violent landscape and is maybe the most murderous of the people he'll encounter. And kind of what's that? What is that doing to his soul? I feel like Revolver had a little bit more of a yearning and a questioning to it in that respect. It felt like his character in it, Jake Green, was a lot more morally complex. Here, I don't even see that much complexity with Wrath of Man. I see his character as being literally the embodiment of vengeance. And I think that's a really fun thing for Richie to play with, probably, because he doesn't have to bind Statham to his usual kind of leavening of it with humor. He's like, sure. let me let me see how terrifying I can possibly make him. Um, and, and you know, there are scenes in this where I was like, oh my God, have I misjudged Jason Statham? Could he actually be, you know, other than this um, kind of slyly funny action star, could he actually be an amazing sociopath actor? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I I don't know because I I think in this one he's not a hundred percent sociopathic, but I definitely don't want to give stuff away there. Mm-hmm. I I do think though, yeah, it, it, you kind of touched on it earlier, but this is not a typical Richie movie. I really want to stress that, and especially as you bring up the practical effects in this, how visceral and anti plot armor <laughs> this yes. movie is with its gun violence and. Because with, with Richie, we, we do expect a little bit of, of style over substance sometimes. We expect a little bit of, you know, we look, the characters, the heroes, you know, looking good uh, when they are fighting and doing all of that. But this film eventually devolves into a climax where it's kind of anything goes. It's very free fire, free form. And I kind of love it for that because yeah. that is what yeah. I want for my climax. I, I don't want the sort of flashy... Uh, you know, thrilling moment that you get from the opening scene establishing what our characters are capable of. This is a film that clearly understands that. Yeah. It's just so weird to say that about a movie that when you watch it, it you know, as as kinetic as it is, it, it really just does not seem like something that is all that deep and meaty and like I, I your expectations really do paint this movie. I hope people who are listening who haven't seen it yet go into it with whatever expectations they had before listening, because that's what we did. Yeah. I, I assume. And, uh, don't expect heat, don't, you know, or anything like that. <laughs> don't expect in or even in order of disappearance, as you reference, like it, it's, it is its own thing. As much as it is borrowing from a lot of those films, it does have its own 
sort of uh, approach to this material that it took it takes a little bit of like getting into it. There's a little bit of a criticism there. It does. It, it it does take a little bit of time to get going, and you have to kind of just accept what the film is versus what it's not. Um, my editor, Jason, Jacob Aller at Pace, who recently edited me on a Jason Statham appreciate them appreciation piece. I wanted to call it the Jason Statham appreciation. I, I, I wanted. <laughs> well, I wanted. Them. I wanted to call it the Jason Statham appreciate them, and he was um, like, "No, you don't know what SEO is." And I was like, at You're least right. you tried." I was like, "You're right. You don't." Um, you but like, your shot. I did, but you know, he what he mentioned, what I found interesting is that Statham and Richie are actually doing two films together, which is this is the first. Um, they're also collaborating on a spy thriller incoming called Five Eyes that's going to be out probably next year at Richie's rate. And I, it struck me as an interesting thing to know that this is like one of two kind of you know, back-to-back collaborations for them. It's um, not much is known about it, but he's playing a character named Orson Fortune in the next one, uh, which to me is an awesome Jason Statham character name. And I think that that signals this could be a little bit more fun, as well as the ca- the fact that the supporting cast includes um, Aubrey Plaza and Hugh Grant. Um, it, I think that, you know, this is probably a movie that will be the more comic side of Richie uh, re-emerging again. So I find it interesting that he may have split his own atom by doing yeah. one very hardcore, muscular uh, crime thriller and one really fun, irreverent caper. Um, and I think that that, you know, I could be totally wrong and this could be like the hardest core spy movie ever made, but you know, either way, it's going to be great to see the interplay between an actor like Jason Statham and an actress like Aubrey Plaza, uh, for example. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Ending with a teaser for, for more to come. I think that's pretty fitting. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I haven't been super critical of the film so far. I'll I'll just wrap it into here, and it's because I don't want to be critical. You know, I I have my negative uh, asides here, but I don't think that they overshadow anything too much. But I do want to add a little bit more context as I give my final grade. I am a B on this movie. I think for me, it comes down to a little bit of the length, a little bit of the film's meandering does get in its way. Uh, I think for for its full potential, probably, and I. I, there were there were points of this movie where I did struggle a little bit to connect with it, maybe because I, I'm still not convinced if Richie is intentionally, you know, limited here in terms of his takes. I, I, I do think because a lot of this film, it seems like it was filmed during the pandemic. I think they were shooting like either right before the pandemic or like over the course of it. So you, there, I did get a little bit of a sense like they were kind of trying to rush through it a little bit here, but Regardless, I mean, it still works. I I do think that there are some scenes that also appear to be missing. I I felt like some of the side characters weren't nearly as interesting, and some of them felt a little bit out of place. I think Andy Garcia, Rob Delaney, look, I'm happy to see them here, (laughs) you know, but there was just something about their characters that I felt like felt a little bit incomplete. Uh, Same kind of goes for Post Malone. It's like, if you're going to get Post Malone in here, I I don't know, there there was a little bit missing from that performance that kind of justifies why you would, Mm. you know, I guess... I guess it just came to me as like a bit of a bit stunt uh, uh, casting kind of moment. I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, I think that with Post Malone, I I will say this movie has exactly the scene that you would want to see between Jason Statham and Post Malone. Um, (laughs) Exactly what you hope will happen will happen um, without spoilers. But um, 
Yeah, it, I, I agree with you in your assessment of that. I think I would be somewhere in the B, uh, B minus range on this film as well. I think it's, you know, a big sinewy kind of mass of an action film. But I think that it is a little bit misshapen in that. I don't think it has quite the epic scope that you would hope it would for having title cards um, in in its chapters. Um, and you know, when every time they would like, just like kind of say the title of what the chapter was out loud in the movie, I was like, okay, so this is like, you know, if he thinks he's elevating this, he's at least aware he's not elevating it too much. He's just breaking up the script, but yeah, I, you know, I really enjoyed Jason Statham as an actor. I've spent a lot of time going over his movies and I really think that he isn't fully appreciated for a lot of the the depth and a lot of the agility that he brings to his roles. So I really enjoyed getting to see him play this big kind of thundering, you know, question mark of a character, someone who you really don't, you can't get a read on. And that makes him a lot scarier, scarier in how he can just kind of, kind of, um, uh, break out into these incredibly aggressive, um, onslaughts of violence, but also just kind of have a little bit more tension about him on an ideological level as well. I really enjoyed that. I felt like the film uh, lost some momentum when it was broadening its scope to also focus on this crew of robbers that are related to Statham's character in some way. But to me, especially given where the film ends up and how it kind of blasts its chessboard full of bullets, like in the finale, um, I don't think that it really justifies spending about an hour of the time or 45 minutes of the runtime focusing on these other robbers. Yes. I, uh, yeah. Probably, probably could have cut a little bit from this movie, but I'm not complaining too much. I think this is dad cinema. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's one of its, one of its finest in uh, the last year, I'd say we're, we got a good one here. I think this is an easy recommend for people who watch the trailer and are interested in this kind of vehicle. Wrath of Man is currently in, I think, wide release technically for the United States. It just came out this past weekend in theaters. It is also available internationally in a few other countries. Uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, it's going to be hitting the UK on July 23rd. And it's doing okay box office for this kind of movie. It's made $7.8 million, I think, worldwide, which it's not great, but I don't think the budget is too big on this one. I don't think there's an official number yet, but this is United Artists and I think uh, MGM. It's being distributed uh, in the UK by Lionsgate and Universal is handling the distribution overseas. So it'll, it'll be probably a while before we get kind of a full scope of how this film is doing because there's a lot of reporting that still needs to happen. But I think the word of mouth is probably going to help this. The critical response is pretty mixed to positive it's mm-hmm. the 66 percent on rotten tomatoes and not not bad uh, i think that uh the word of mouth and the fact that at least it's a fresh tomato will probably help this one have a decent week but i have a feeling it might get a little bit overshadowed in the coming weeks depending on what else we do have coming out in theaters i think i think this one has a couple weeks to itself uh generally for this genre but we'll see yeah i mean i think the gentleman his last film opened to about 11 million and that was right at the beginning of covid um i think i don't think it hit the states yet but it was in china um i don't think you can kind of overstate the kind of sluggish recovery that theaters are going to see from covid as people are increasingly gauging whether or not it's something that's potentially worth exposing themselves to the residual 
kind of ravages of COVID. Uh, I don't think that you can discount that in terms of the lower thing. I think given that, you know, something like seven, eight million is pretty, uh, pretty impressive. I mean, pretty solid for like a Statham action film. Um, I know that it has pushed past Mortal Kombat and Demon Slayer, which had both yeah. come out last month. So um, hopefully it will get a little bit of time to shine. But, you know, I think a, a solid, if not exceptional box office return is maybe the right result for a movie like this, which I would probably say is solid, but not exceptional as well. I think Richie is probably still counting his money from uh, Aladdin. So don't feel sorry <laughs> for him. Um, yes, I do not. I think, uh, trust me. Yeah, he got his paycheck. He got a... I, that movie, I just... I can't even uh, think <laughs> about it. Just how much money yeah. his Aladdin remake made. I just... I didn't know that there was anyone who liked Aladdin that much. Um, uh, but well 1.5 billion... billion 1.1... Yeah, it's like 1.05 billion. I just... Um, Something like that. Just nuts. Um, yep. But, you know... At le- yeah, at least it wasn't Aladdin. And at least Jason Statham did not re-team with him for Aladdin. All right, Isaac Fellberg, thank you so much. Do you have anything to plug this week? Anything the listeners should go Ooh. check out? Now that they've heard your voice, that is there anything they should read? If if they wanted, voice? if they want more of me, and if they can read it in my voice, that would be super cool because that's how I intend it to to sound. But I, I did recently write about Jason Statham quite in depth. Uh, his appeal as an action star, kind of getting into the debt that he owes to Asian martial arts icons, the kind of sinewy masculinity that he owes to more 70s and 80s icons of the screen um his kind of steve mcqueen debt a little bit i I kind of went deep on the appeal of statham uh for pace magazine so you can read that online uh and otherwise you know my bylines are everywhere so just if you're interested um uh, great twitter follow yeah check check me out on twitter i'm just my name isaac Feldberg, and i'll usually plug whatever I'm working on and whatever I'm reading from all these other talented folks out there as well. Sounds good. We will link to your Twitter, of course, in the show notes. Thanks, John. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.